third, it's Elv Wheat. Henderson at second, Molitor at first, one out of the ninth, 6-5 Philadelphia. Stottlemyre and Castillo throwing in case of extra innings. Fastball is hit to left field, down the line, in the corner, home run! Joe Carter, who took the 2-0 pitch for a strike right down the middle, hits the 2-1 pitch over the left field wall. And the Toronto Blue Jays come back with three in the bottom of ninth inning to become the world's champions yet again. The final score, Toronto 8, Philadelphia 6. Well, you know the event, and you certainly know the voice. We don't often play that particular clip of Joe Carter's home run. That was uh, Joe Carter's home run is called by Vin Scully, who in addition to being the Dodgers broadcaster... Uh, did a number of national games and Vince Gully passing away late last night. Uh, I mean, without, I don't think, I mean, I don't know how you describe Vin, Vince Gully, Kevin. He was the, iconic. The, well, he was the best there ever was. There've been a lot of good ones, but even the very best ones will tell you that the best there ever was, was Vince Gully. And when the best say you are the best, I guess that, Pretty much makes you the your best. Your peers are a big deal when they they're saying it. It's it's probably true. Yeah, it's it's iconic. Yeah, I mean every time he talks, you just want to stop what you're doing and listen. And that's in in the job that he did. It's very hard to to accomplish to be that good and and always say the right thing at the right moment. It's it's impossible, and he did it better than anybody. Mark DeRosa made an interesting observation on the MLB Network this morning when he was talking about Vince Scully from a player's point of view. And he said one of the coolest things as a player was to go to Dodger Stadium and to hear whether you, he said guys had sometimes come back into the clubhouse, you know, during a game to get stuff. But if you had done something the year before in the field or whatever, to hear Vince Scully say your name, just say your name, whatever, to hear Vince Scully say your name was... DeRose was saying that's kind of you have a lot that happens to you during your career and a lot of memories and a lot of things and at the time you go yeah that's pretty neat but you get wrapped up but then when you think back to it and you remember I remember the first time I heard him say my name it it really is uh it really is special and I always I mean I always I tell people the story I you know would pass because Vin was in Montreal so much when the Dodgers were there You'd have kind of a, you know, you'd have a nodding, say hello, Mr. Mr. Scully, and he would say hello. And and I remember one time I wanted to do a story on Russ Martin when Russ Martin was was with the Dodgers. And um, so I asked Vin if I could talk to him, and he's got 10 minutes before the game, and 10 minutes was 10 minutes. But it was interesting hearing, you, you I realized as soon as I sat down, I, I asked him to, you know, how would you, is, is there another Dodgers catcher you've seen that you would compare to Russ Martin? And then I, he looked at me, and I'm sure he's thinking to himself, kid, I can remember almost all the Dodgers catchers. You're asking me to compare Russ Martin to like 30 different guys. And I realized at that time, and then he was talking about, well, you know, it reminds me of this guy and that guy. And, and he's going through the, all the Dodgers catchers he'd, he'd covered and, and, or he'd seen and pulling out 
just different bits about that and seeing how it tied into Russ Martin. And I thought, I mean, that is something. Did you get nervous? Is it like, is it like, no, uh, cause he was really, no, cause he was really, uh, it's like when I met Barry Bonds or, or Ken Griffey Jr. or Marquise Chris, I'm like, I was nervous. Did you get nervous? No, cause Vin was, I, you felt like you knew him cause you listened to him all the time. Right. And, um, you know, he had his tie on, his jacket, and his, you know, he had the puff in his jacket. Just very, just an immaculately uh, tired man and, and and an immaculate person. But it was, um, yeah, it was, it was really cool. It was funny. I, I was on social media last night. The number of pictures of other announcers. It was like Mark Grant. Mark Grant tweeted mm-hmm. out a picture of him with Vin Scully taken from, from Vin's press box looking out at the field, awesome. you could tell that all of these broadcasters, all these great broadcasters, it was an important memory for them to have a picture mm-hmm. taken with Vince. And Vin looks the same in every picture. I mean, he just does. He's got the same smile, the uh, same sort of, there's just a warmth of uh He set the bar high. Around. Everybody wanted to be like him. Yeah. And, and nobody could. And, and of course, the thing with Vin, Vin, Vin called games by himself. And, you know... Um, I mean, Vin would just hearing him do a game, tell stories, the little bits of information he would glean about different players and, and drop them in the middle of his, of his, uh, of his play by play. It was a remarkable, of course, the Indian entity had a God given voice. I mean, it, it was just, it's, it's, that is the voice that you would want mm-hmm. a, um, a baseball announcer to have. So, um, I like to think that uh, at some point the baseball god said, you know what, we're going to take Mr. Scully, but we're going to wait till after the trade deadline so you guys can talk about all that stuff and get that out of the way. And then now we can focus today on Vin mm-hmm. Scully. So uh, it, 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 that announcement coming out last night, and again, condolences to all his friends yeah, and all his friends in the industry. And anybody, I, I would suggest if you ever listen to Vin Scully on the radio, or if you ever listen to Vince Scully at all, you're feeling a loss today. So I, I think this is one of those things, Kevin, when somebody passes away and, and you can extend condolences to all of us. I think we should just... We're ex- family. I think we should extend we condolences. No question. To, uh, to all of us. Um, so let's move on to the business of baseball, as I'm sure Vin would, uh, Vin would appreciate. The Blue Jays coming out of the trade deadline yesterday, beating the Tampa Bay Rays 3-1. A terrific outing from Kevin Gossman. A couple of clutch two-out hits. Danny Jansen with the clutch. Two-out single in the, uh, in, in, in the ninth inning for the Blue Jays. Jordan Romano coming on and, uh, and, and holding, the, holding the fourth, giving up the leadoff home run. We'll talk about the game, but obviously yesterday was the Major League Baseball trade deadline. Uh, the Toronto Blue Jays acquired Whit Merrifield. They acquired uh, Mitch, Mitch White, I guess he's called Mitch White, a pitcher mm-hmm. from the Los Angeles Dodgers who seems to profile uh, as being Ross Stripling. And if the Jays get out of Mitch White, what they got out of Ross Stripling, it's going to be another one of those acquisitions at the trade deadline where two years down the road you look, look back and you go, that was pretty good. Uh, they got a pair of relievers in Zach Pop, Canadian, and Anthony Bass. Um, you know, look, Zach Pop, power sinker, sort of what Clay Holmes was like last year when the Yankees went out and got him from Pittsburgh and everybody kind of said, man, well, Clay Holmes, well, I guess that's okay. Clay Holmes has turned into a pretty good, pretty good pitcher. Uh, lack of a secondary pitch is clearly an issue 
for Zach Pop. But Kevin, uh, you know, Russ, Ross Atkins said afterwards that things he talked about were depth and controllability, um, which, you know, is for this organization right now appears to be an important, an important point of emphasis. And I was thinking about this driving in today when I was on, when I was on the morning show. Um, you know, I think we, because the Jays have spent a lot of money in free agency, they signed George Springer to a big contract. They signed Kevin Gossman to a big contract. They extended Jose Barrios to keep him away from free agency. We look at that, and of course they signed Yusei Kikuchi. We look at that spending of money, and I think it's like we almost expect that same aggressiveness to show itself in the trade market. And I think fundamentally what we learned at this trade deadline is there are still, you know, there are aspects of the game, business aspects of the game that remain really important to this organization's philosophy. And they clearly aren't in a position or they don't feel that they're in a position where they want to sacrifice a Gab- Gabriel Moreno or an Arelvis Martinez or a Ricky Tiedman um, to get better right now. And they would rather do other things. And, and, and I guess what I take away from this trade deadline, Kevin, you know, one, Zach Pop and Anthony Bass, the, the Jays will have no problem finding a place for them in their bullpen because there are guys in that bullpen you could and slip these guys in right away and they'll, they'll join the team in Minnesota, I believe, tomorrow. Mm-hmm. So that, that's no problem. The, the, the Jays' bullpen, the middle relievers, they got better. They got better yesterday. Uh, Whit Merrifield, a right-handed guy, bad, is 33 years old, not having the best year. Uh, we know about the vaccination status uh, situation. He probably won't be able to play in Canada for two weeks, it looks like, because if, if he does get the J&J shot. But be, we need, the Jays have been vague about that. And that is also something that they do as an organization. Uh, but Kevin, I think the takeaway for most of us was the bullpen didn't get the elite arm that it needs to be able to go toe-to-toe with the other bullpens in the American League playoffs. So this is a team that has a playoff spot. They did nothing yesterday that will cost them a playoff spot. Mm-mm. But I would suggest they didn't do enough that elevates them to the point where they can make a serious run, make a serious run at the ALCS. I'm with you. I mean, it just seems to me like they wanted bass and pop. They had to get with Maryfield because of George Springer. When you give up Max Castillo, you have to go out and get Mitch white. The, with Merrifield, I don't get it. Like I, I if he for, was for a left-handed me, hitter or something, you, still, you, I'm not sure. I still get it. They, they basically got him to lead off. They just seem to not like Tapia leading off or Kevin Biggio or even Lord Escurriel Jr. And I would be in the camp of you want your best hitters up front. With Merrifield right now, this year's not one of those. So that, but we do know that the guy, the, the guy Whit Merrifield. When he is with Merrifield okay, that's two, at that's two years ago. That's not, that's no, but not let me the last fin- couple Let me years. finish. My point is that he is a guy who has been a leadoff hitter. Like, it's not, let, let's, we, we got to say that. We got to say that there is a track record there. We can't just he say. Leads, he leads off for Kansas City. Like, I don't want to downplay this, and I'm not trying to poo-poo that. I'm not, it's, you got, you're exactly right. You got better in your bullpen. You added power. 
but it's still going to be Snyder and Pete Walker trying to match up an inning ahead of time. There's no no-brainers other than Jordan Romano has to throw the ninth inning. Other than that, you are piecing it together. Yeah. Like, it's not going to be the easiest thing. There is no no-brainers in that bullpen other than the ninth inning guy because he can only pitch the ninth inning. So I'm not real sure that's a no-brainer other than his routines and how he's geared up is for the ninth inning. So I, other than that, I mean, they didn't get worse. So you can say they got better. You, you know, we were yelling and screaming, add power. They added that. But the power that you added, you have to add, you have to make sure you're matching up against the other this, team's part of the lineup. Those moves would have made sense. A month Th- ago. Those moves, those moves on their own are fine. It would have made sense to make those moves and then add Gregory Soto or or somebody at the back end of the bullpen. Now Gregory Soto didn't get traded, so you know one of the things we talked about yesterday was: is there are the Blue Jays? Is their minor league system structured right now so that it's heavy at the top in terms of the top three guys? Because Jordan Groshans, look look what we were thinking. Go back and look at what was being said two or three years ago about who Jordan Groshans is going to be traded for. You know, your fourth prospect, prospect rankings are really worth nothing for the most part. But your your fourth best prospect, this says something about it, got you these... Got you these two arms, and I understand future value and and, and everything like that, uh, and and I, and I get that that whole concept. And yes, Zach Pop has got some controllability. There's there's value there, uh, but you're saying the tier two they don't have to get the Michael Formers well, no, of and, the world. That that's what you're saying. Well, yeah, I mean, I would have to say that unless they just. You know, I, I assume that they were in on all those pitchers. It would make sense that they were in on most of those pitchers, and clearly. Their minor league system isn't attractive enough to other teams, or they would have acquired uh, somebody with a little more. You know, they would have acquired somebody with a little more pedigree than 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 the two arms they got. And give Dayton more credit that he knows enough about the Blue Jays' system to get Max Castillo. I know you're not losing sleep over that, but you got a big ballpark. You're getting something for yeah, your leadoff hitter to sell it to. Yeah, your but fans. I mean, you well, you're not selling. Well, you're, not, you're not selling you Max Castillo. Bit. No, you're not. You're not selling Max Castillo it's, it's to your who fans. You gave up to the Blue Jays. Yeah. Like you got to get a little something back. You're not going to get Anthony K or Trevor or, or my, Thomas my, well, Hatch or that's not my, selling. My, that's point, my point. Well, I mean, I. You're not getting I, I a guess. top prospect for him. You got to no. get a little something for him. And they thought they got a little Whatever. something for but him. But th- this is my point. I think you're 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 overlooking this. This is this suggests to me that the minor league system lacks depth. They had to go out and get Bradley Zimmer. The the two the the bottom two guys on their roster. They had to go out and get. I mean, you shouldn't have to go out and acquire a Zach Collins. You should have Zach Collins in your organization. You shouldn't have to go out and acquire Bradley Zimmer. You should have a Bradley Zimmer in your organization. I don't know. Is Nathan Lucas, you know, that much worse than Bradley Zimmer? The point being is (laughs) all we've heard for the past couple of years are Thomas Hatch and Anthony Kay. Well, they weren't good enough to get you Whit Merrifield. Nope. So what I'm saying, what I'm saying is you do not have a lot of organizational depth. And this is an organization that, Hey, every spring training, what do we hear? Well, you you know, we've got depth at AAA. We've got guys who are going to step up and take over. You know, you got to have depth at AAA. You you you, you got to have a 35-man roster, not a 25-man roster. Well, that clearly isn't the case this year. So that is kind of my takeaway is mm-hmm. is maybe it it's great to get excited about prospects, but there does come a time where I think 
you have to take a realistic assessment of yourself. And at the trade deadline, if your prospects aren't good enough to entice teams to trade a Michael Fulmer, for example, or, or somebody like that, then I have to say that maybe you need to do a rethink of, of your minor league system. Uh, but There's again, no question. so the question is, though, because people are asking this, all right, how did the Jays clubhouse react to the trade deadline? Because we spoke to people on the weekend, and I, I've said this, there are people who thought that when the Jays, when the charter took off for Tampa on Monday, they were going to have at least one of the Detroit Tigers. No question. They were going to have, I don't think the Tarek Skubal thing, I, Detroit's not that stupid. But perhaps Joe Jimenez, there was talk of Gregory Soto. And when I say there was talk, people around the Jays organization, mm-hmm. players and coaches, they kind of thought they were going to get one of those guys. A.J. Hinch kind of hinted that that was in the mix to, to reporters both in Detroit and Toronto. The Jays didn't get that impact arm for the bullpen. The question is, how did the trade deadline go down in the clubhouse? Now, I thought Kevin Gossman, it was interesting hearing him say that, you know, one of the things we didn't lose anybody off the major league roster, we didn't lose anybody off the club, out of the clubhouse, which I, you know, I guess is fine. But this is what Bo Bichette said after the game when uh, he was asked about the sense now the trade deadline is over and when he was asked about what in particular Whit Merrifield might bring to this team. I don't know if relief is the right word, but I mean, um, you know, I think since the since the break, we've kind of just turned the page and looking forward to competing every day and, and finishing the season strong and setting ourselves up for success down the road. So, uh, you know, I mean, today is obviously a big day for everybody, but um, just looking forward. But Whit Merrifield is a, a guy who's been around and has some experience and played for some good teams in Kansas City. Like what, uh, what do you think a guy like him brings to you guys? Yeah, definitely. Uh, he's accomplished a lot. He's accomplished some, some pretty cool things, um, you know, been around. So I think it's uh, important for all of us to learn as much as we can from him and uh, excited to see what he can bring. But, you know, for me personally, I'm, I'm definitely excited to be around him and, and uh, talk to him and, and play ball with him. See, here's where I, you know, I kind of think. The Jays' biggest trade acquisition was John Schneider. I mean, that was the biggest move that was made at the deadline as far as I'm concerned by the, uh, by the organization. And, and people, are, people, people always like to talk about how is the clubhouse going to ride? Well, you know what professional athletes do? They, they're like the rest of us. They're watching TV. They see the trades come in. And then they got to go out and face Drew Rasmussen. And you just move on. You know, turning the page is a cliche, but that is really what baseball it's players do. It's an individual do. thing. Yep. It doesn't affect you. There's not a big worry about it. I mean, I hate to say that because a lot of the times it's not a team thing. And let's be honest. You're a human being who's trying to make as much money for your family as you can possibly make. It's about you first. Yep. You're worrying about yourself. Does it affect you? If it doesn't, I, th- I mean, maybe read, guys- between the, read between the lines of what Bo said. That's basically what Bo said. It doesn't affect me. It doesn't affect the most of the main people on this team. Yep. We're, we're, we accept what we got we're going to try and do the best we can possibly do to move on and go as far as we can possibly go in the playoffs. That's a great answer. Yeah. But read between the lines. Like it, that that's the way life works. I mean there, there is there is no that's why the clubhouse thing. I I just sometimes roll my eyes at that. I just think that's I think it's funny. It's I wash a lot it of times. Absolutely is. Like they're just so worried about selling that to everybody about I just have to have 25 buddies. I just can't wait to go hang out and eat and do all the things off the field with all my buddies. No, you don't. 
the world doesn't work that way. You got 25 buddies, Jeff. I no. don't for sure. I mean, I how many people do. do you know that would unfortunately, have that? You unfortunately, don't. about fifteen of them are you dead. Don't. You so don't. That's what happens when you're the old. Answer, well, you don't know that. So that that's hey, twelve. The, that's the point. Is so Actually, I, 10 I, I are love dead, I love so. the way you answered that. He answered that exactly the way you're supposed to answer. But let's read between the lines here. You know, you you move on. It didn't affect Bo. Yep. Good for them that they added a piece or two that that hopefully will help the Blue Jays and the Whit Merrifield. I like that because a young guy's trying to learn from an older guy. Oh, by the way. Played every single day. Okay, how do I get enough information from Wit to know how to me because I'm Bo Bichette and all I want to do is play every single day. So give me some insight on how you do that. Yeah, uh, it, it's That's uh, smart. You know, Wit, Wit Merrifield. Answer. He's played 95 games this year. He plays every day. He's hitting 240, 30 extra base hits, and 42, 42 RBIs this year. You know, he's he has stolen bases. Uh, he's only played. Uh, what has he done? How many games in center field this year? Six, Six. games in center field. But Ross Atkins was pretty clear. That uh, that that they look at him as a as an option in center field, and you know George Springer hasn't played three games in a row, and George Springer has told us that this elbow is something they're going to have to manage or monitor the rest of the year. He just has; he's been open about it. So, yeah, I, I think yeah, you know, I, I think you're right. They needed another bat. Guess what? They got quote unquote another bat. And is it a game changing bat? No. Would you rather? Would you rather have maybe Whit Merrifield and Rymel Tapia in some sort of platoon? Um, you know, um, not me. Well, I, you know, let's see. I mean, let's see. They're in the first wild card. They're up four games yeah, against yeah, Tampa. Yeah, but You're I mean, trying but, to add but, more pitch. That's what's going to take you where you need to go. Yeah, but that's uh, the big bugaboo with your team, right? But again, well, you're again, asking me the question. I'm, I'm, I'm saying I'd, there. I'm saying I'd rather they have. I'd rather they have Whit Merrifield and some of the other I, options I th- we've I seen. I think John, John Snyder yesterday put Lourdes in the leadoff spot for a reason. Yeah, see how good that looked? Just his bats. Yeah. The, the way you want your best hitters. Well, also, Whit Merrifield wasn't any, here. Uh, anyway, even when he's here, even when he's vaccinated, he makes sense leading off to you. You would rather him get more at bats than no. somebody that's better hitter than he is right now. That for me doesn't make any I sense. I mean, I don't. I, I don't. Like to have I, don't or ninth. I don't. Yeah, I don't think he's going to be their everyday leadoff hitter. I could be wrong. I don't think he's going to be their everyday leadoff. Hitter. I don't mind seeing him lead off. It's it's not going to. You know, providing it's not a. If he's not, if he, if they lead him off and he can do something, that's fine. But I don't think John Schneider's going to sit there and say he's my leadoff hitter, and then if he starts out over twenty, he's still going to be in the leadoff spot. I mean, we know that that's not how it's going to work. I just not. Whit Merrifield's acquisition doesn't move the needle either way for me. I'm okay with it. Uh, would I have been fine if they'd just you know, added the the pitching at the deadline? Yeah. I would have wanted more pitching. With or without Whit Merrifield, I want more pitching. That's the way I look at it. So they had um, to pivot because of the Springer. Thing. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not gonna. You know, I'm not gonna lose a great deal of sleep. Would you rather maybe they get a dude like Brandon Marsh instead of him? I don't know. You know, uh, I wanted a no-brainer, and I'm sure most of the coaches well, wanted a no-brainer yeah, no, from the seventh inning on. I think uh, that's I'm what talking they about a position player. Would you rather? Would you rather that you get a guy I who's maybe Ian a little Hap. better like they're, than? They're they're beyond Hap. just the the window well, washing of the player that they they they're filling into certain spots. They already have those but guys. Let's also let's also say this: Ian Happ wasn't traded. I, I understand that. So Ian Happ wasn't traded. That would suggest to me that. Because everybody seemed to be interested in Ian Happ at one point. That would suggest to me that the Cubs are just asking too much. Probably. Not just for the Jays, but for everybody. And Ian Happ, yeah, he, he would have fit nicely in here. But Ian Happ does have a value attached to him. 
And I don't know if I'm willing to overpay for Ian Happ. If, I, if, if you're asking me, can I get Whit Merrifield for half or a third or a fourth of what it would cost me to get Ian Happ, I'd, I'd consider it. I'd consider it. Okay, but I think we both can agree that uh, th- this is what they got now. Off-season, all these things need to be corrected. Like they're, the, well, they the, have the, tried. They have tried. No, they, stop trying. Well, like they, now, they have now tried. you know you need a left-handed bat. Well, now you tried, know you Kevin. need no-brainers. Kevin, in the, they, they, the ball. I'm they, talking they've about tried this, for two this years. coming up off-season. They, yeah, they've tried for they, two years to address the left-handed bat. It hasn't worked out. They thought they had, they thought they had Michael Brantley signed. That didn't work out. They went all in on Jose Ramirez. Maybe they spent too much attention to Jose Ramirez and they should have looked elsewhere. This organization knows they, they, they're going to need to address lineup balance going forward. Like they, have, they have tried. That's to, to sit here and say that, well, they're not trying to, who that's said, just nonsense. Who in this room said they didn't try? I know as much about that as you do, so I'm not saying that. I'm saying you've tried. It didn't work. Yeah. Off-season when this thing rolls around because of where the Astros at, the Yankees are at, the Twins are trying to do it. All, the Rays will would, always be the Rays. Here comes the Orioles. You know, there, there's a lot of teams that are competing to try and be the Blue Jays. I would suggest to and you. And you've got a pretty good team. I would suggest to you that there are going to be, there will need to be some really serious discussions this offseason about the team going forward I, I i keep saying this but at some point Bo and vladdy going year to year that's not going to work it's not at some point somebody's going to want a multi-year Probably contract not gonna work for the player for the player yeah, yeah, yeah it yeah, works yeah. for the team sure it works for the team sure money is really not an object for this team uh but term appears to be an object that's why they don't have liam Hendricks here sure so well how would he that, that that's uh that that is a I mean, that's a discussion that will have to be had in the offseason. I mean, these guys are like the Leafs. They've got a lot of young, top-end talent. But at some point, that top-end talent becomes pricey. And at some point, you have to win with it. Um, but anyhow, that's where we are. We'll be joined by Jeff Montgomery, Royals analyst, to give us a little bit of insight in Whit Merrifield. The vaccination thing. To, to touch on this, and I know Ross Atkins got a lot of grief for how he handled the vaccination question yesterday, which I don't understand. The, the, Ross Atkins and the Blue Jays have been very consistent when it comes to talking about vaccines on or off the record. And the reason is because Major League Baseball is a U.S.-based company. They are governed by HIPAA regulations involving the release of, uh, of, of, of medical data. Generally... It's up to the player to say, okay, release it. Uh, Ross Atkins said they, they had a brief chat with Whit Merrifield. He's letting Whit Merrifield and his family work through it. We know Whit Mer- Merrifield wasn't vaccinated to the point where he could come up and join the Kansas City Royals when they were in Toronto. We know that he also said, give him credit, he was honest. He also said that if he was traded to a team that uh, was a contender and that it might that might necessitate a trip to Toronto, he would consider getting the vaccine. So that's where it is. And you've got to think, you've got to think that, that there's some due jill. Somebody at some point from the Blue Jays spoke to somebody at the Royals and said, what's your read on this? And the answer was, he'll do it. You know, we'll, we'll have that discussion. So just, let's just, let's just, Cool our jets with the vaccination thing until we hear from Whit Merrifield. Now, as Shai Davidi pointed out, there's a two-week period between being vaccinated and being able to cross the border. 
That's with the J&J shot, which I believe most baseball players have got the, the J&J shot. So what that means right now, the Jays are on the road for nine days. There is a chance, and, and unless, for all we know, Whit Merrifield went out last Wednesday and got vaccinated because the Royals said, dude, we're, you know. We're going to try and trade. We're going to try and trade you. Mm-hmm. This is, we got a couple of teams that are interested in you. So for all we know, that's that's done. Again, it won't be until Whit Merrifield sits down and talks to the media that we'll have an idea. But he should be available or will be available to play in these games in the U.S., and then we'll wait and see. Maybe he has to miss the series when they're in Toronto. Uh, but as I said, before we start, because I know a lot of people reacted instantly to that, let's hear from the guy. Let's hear from the guy. And, and, and let's hear his explanation for why he did or didn't do it. I mean, that, that's all. I, we owe him that. And you know what? Could happen for two years. So it's going to drive you nuts. Otherwise, let's let's let the guy, let's let the guy explain what uh, what his reasoning was and and what the status is before we move on. Twelve ten is the first pitch today, so we are theoretically your uh, pregame show. Bob yes. Nightingale will join us to take a look around baseball. Obviously, we'll talk to Nightingale about the Juan Soto deal uh, before we break and get to Jeff Montgomery. I want to ask you about that. We'll have Barker's back leg bits. Ben Wagner will join us from the Trop as well uh, ahead of first pitch we've focused on the blue jays without talking about the wider deadline uh let's you know what let's take a break and then we'll come back and talk about the deadline and then we'll bring jeff montgomery on because i want to talk about soto and i want to talk about some of the things the other teams did it's blair and barker on sportsnet 590 the fan 360 and wherever you get your favorite podcast Great daily gambling advice from J.D., Blake, and Ailish in the Fan Morning Show's Wake and Rake. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, The Jays lineup is in for this afternoon's game. Lourdes Gurriel Jr. is back in the leadoff spot. Flatty's hitting second. Alejandro Kirk is DHing in the third spot. Bobachet's cleaning up. Teoscar's in right. Matt Chapman is at third. Danny Jansen's behind the plate. Santiago Espinal's at second base. Rymel Tapia is hitting ninth and in center field. You say Kikuchi. Thank you, Kevin. You say Kikuchi gets to start uh, this afternoon for the Blue Jays. 12-10 first pitch right here on Sportsnet 590, the fan, and Sportsnet. So I'm looking at, uh, I've been looking at the sort of the winners and losers uh, the Major League Baseball trade deadline is determined by some of the national writers. I'm just going to read David Schoenfeld of ESPN because I think this sums up everything. Uh, he calls the Toronto Blue Jays one of the trade deadline losers. The headline, he says, better but not enough. Maybe Whit Merrifield helps. Maybe he doesn't. The Blue Jays needed impact additions to their pitching staff because Kevin Gossman and Alec Manoa can't do it all. Anthony Bass is a quality pickup, but hey, did you see what the Yankees did? And that, that's basically where... Uh, that's basically where we are with the Blue Jays. The deadline saw one of the biggest trades. I, look, if Peter Gammon says it's the biggest baseball trade, he's seen that it's the biggest baseball trade mm-hmm. in, in a long time. Juan Soto going to the San Diego Padres. Uh, I don't think there was ever any traction at all with the Blue Jays. I'm sure there was a preliminary talk, but uh, even even with even if you were to include Bo Bichette in any trade, which I don't think was ever going to happen, even if you were to do that, the Jays didn't have enough to get it done. Just look at look at the players oh. that the Padres sent Man. that the Padres sent to, uh, to 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 San Diego to pull that deal off. The Jays can't match that; they, they just can't. Um, so that was obviously the biggest deal of the day. Getting Josh Bell as well for the Padres uh, only sweetened the pot. 
the Padres got the best player, one of the three best players in baseball. Therefore, they win the trade deadline. It goes without saying. So let's put them, let's put them aside for a minute because even as good as they are, they're probably going to be playing on the road in the playoffs at some point. So let's leave the Padres aside for a minute. Kevin, looking at what other teams did, I, I look at the Yankees. To me, the Yankees deadline is best summed up by getting Harrison Bader at the end of the deadline. They have pretty good outfield defense. Joel Sherman pointed this out. Mm -hmm. They have pretty good outfield defense, except in center field. Mm -hmm. Center field's been an issue, so they went out and got a gold glove caliber defensive center fielder. The Yankees had a terrific That for me is more that they want uh, Judge playing right field instead of center field. It just seems like it makes more sense. Harrison Bader's going to catch a ball for you. He's going to catch. And that in that ballpark... In that ballpark, that's important. You're going to save wear and tear in your center fielders. You're going to save wear and tear in Aaron Hicks there. So it, it's a move. Ask Har- Springer. Springer. Yeah. Har- Harrison Bader. Harrison Bader, is, it's not an insurance policy. It's almost like he's a pillow for these other guys. Harrison Bader is going to keep people healthy. Mm-hmm. That was a smart trade deadline for the Yankees. Uh, obviously, Frankie Montas, Montas, a guy that the Jays were in on as well. Uh, the Seattle Mariners, yeah, they got Luis Castillo, but... And and it's a great pickup. But does, didn't you expect something else, too, from the Mariners? I expected something else out of the Mariners. I understand their bullpen's good. They got starting pitching. And I, I don't know why. It, to me, maybe because it was Jerry DePoto, and this is a guy who basically traded half his team away. At, at, has well, if you get Rodriguez healthy, point. you get Ty France healthy. Yeah, you're going right? to be. You, you, you like your rotation. You got the two big horses up front now. And you got all those young arms. Maybe I, like that, you, I think, I think you, again, it's it's uh, when you're in a wild card spot, maybe you're seeing the GM sort of, you do enough, yes, but you don't do too much. The Minnesota Twins, nice bit of business. They've been after Tyler Molly for, for a year. They finally got that deal done. Jorge Lopez. Baltimore Orioles reliever, and I, and I keep telling people the best story out of the trade deadline for the Blue Jays was the fact that the Orioles traded Trey Mancini and Jorge Lopez because no he got 15 games left against that team. Red Sox got Eric Hosmer, too. That, 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 for me, he's under control, I think, for the next three years with the Red Sox. That's a big deal. Like, they've, they've been looking for a, a first baseman for a very long right. time and a guy that can use the left side of the infield with the short porch and left field at Fenway. That's a big deal. And maybe his career will take off because – you know, I'm sure he was the one guy in that whole Padres thing wasn't feeling real good. Yeah. Uh, and uh, finally, b- before we get to Jeff Montgomery, the um, the Houston Astros. He, the, he, the Houston Astros made deals that a World Series team makes. They got Trey Mancini. Trey Mancini's eyes are going to light up when he sees the Crawford boxes. Yeah. They got Christian Vasquez. And Christian Vasquez, to me, might be one of the most strategically important pickups because what you can do now, what you can do now if you're Houston is you can pinch hit for Martin Maldonado, no a superb defensive catcher, mm-hmm. late in a playoff game, and then you're putting Christian Vasquez in another good if defensive catcher. If he has catcher. to catch Verlander, that game's close because you're facing the other team's number one. Late in the game, you got to pinch hit for exactly. him. Exactly. You can bring in Vasquez instead of a Joe Schmo that nobody has heard exactly. of. Exactly. That's why that's yeah. per, I mean, it's a perfect move. And again, this gets back to the two teams in the American League, the two behemoths are trying to beat each other, and they made moves to do that. Yeah, they made moves specifically designed no to beat question. each other. Anyhow, the Jays uh, made a couple of acquisitions yesterday. Zach Pop and Anthony Bass from the Miami Marlins for the bullpen. And and this is, I mean, we say this was kind of an 11th-hour trade. It's when it was released. Whit Merrifield joining the Blue Jays from the Kansas City Royals. 
and um, Whit Merrifield, of course, a longtime Royal. Um, certainly got a pedigree. He's a 33-year-old outfielder, right-hand hitter. He can play, shouldn't say he's an outfielder, he's a utility player. We certainly expect that he will get a great deal of playing time in center field for the Toronto Blue Jays. Jeff Montgomery is Royals analyst, and he joins us in Blair and Barker. Jeff, thanks so much for joining Kevin and myself. Great to talk to you again. Um, so what are the Blue Jays What are the Blue Jays getting in uh, 2022 with Merrifield? Yeah, again, thanks for having me on. I, I, I just want to mention he's a guy who can play a lot of positions. And going back to 2015, uh, the Royals picked up Ben Zobers. In fact, we were in Toronto playing the Jays when right. Ben Zobers came over from the Oakland A's. And we didn't realize how big of an impact he was going to make on the team. But uh, the versatility that Zobers spots is very similar to Whit Merrifield, a guy who can play uh, really about any position on the field. Uh, and do it well. I mean, he was a college outfielder, uh, really played more second base for the Royals than outfield this year. Uh, Very solid second baseman, uh, great defender in the outfield, can steal a base for you. Um, Went two seasons in a row, led the American League in hits. Uh, First player to do that since Kirby Puckett. So uh, stolen bases, uh, he's a hit guy, Uh, gap power, occasional home run power, Uh, and he's a grinder. There's a guy that... uh, He'll go out and play hard for you every day. Doesn't matter where you play him, he'll play hard. And uh, I think it's a really good pickup for the Blue Jays. Jeff, how's he looking center? I know he plays a little right. I know he plays some second base. But center field, he may have to play that here. It, it, can he play that? And, you know, he's sort of that when he plays there, it just don't look like he, he's, you know, never done it before. Can he give you a, a quality defensive side of the ball in center field? It's really his favorite position to play in the outfield. Wow. I think when he plays outfield, he would rather play center field than any other position. Uh, he was at the University of South Carolina playing center field, and Jackie Bradley Jr. came along, and he got moved to right field. But I think center field is a position he really enjoys playing in the outfield. Uh, I think it's an easier position for him to play. He's got a, he's got a very good throwing arm, uh, quality speed. Uh, but, yeah, I think he'd be very, very solid in, in center field. We had Mike Way Taylor, who covers so much ground in center field, just a natural center fielder, uh, kind of like a Devon White type guy. Uh, so Whit Merrifield played right field generally when he was in the outfield. But, uh, again, he played more second base than he did outfield for the Royals, but uh, very qualified to play essentially in a position. Jeff, Jeff, you think he's a change of scenery guy, older guy, you know, having a little bit of a down year offensively. You think change of scenery come to a playoff team, you'd see the best of wit because of that. I think I think you'll see a bump from Witt. Now, his numbers this season are not what his career numbers stack up to be. He really came out of the gate slow, struggled uh, early in the season. He had a really, really good July. And I think uh, maybe a lot of this discussion, his name was mentioned in the uh, a lot of the trade talks, I, I think it really kind of sparked him up a little bit. Uh, he wants to play on a winner. And, you know, he had some comments regarding the vaccination uh, before our trip to Toronto was taken really – poorly from a lot of the fan base uh, in Kansas City. So I think it's a good move for him. I think he'll get a real bump from moving to a contending team. Uh, and I think you'll see the best from Whit Merrifield. Yeah, I, I you know, I, I've been telling, obviously, Whit Merrifield's vaccination status is a talking point here. And Ross Atkins was asked about it. And Ross Atkins said, look, you know, basically just said hi to the guy, informed him of the trade, said we're looking forward to seeing him and he's going to work it. He's going to work it through with his family. Um, and and just left it at that, which I thought, frankly, is is the appropriate approach. Does, does 
I mean, you look at that statement, okay, from a distance now, and you certainly know Whit better than we do. But from a distance, I'm looking at that statement, and the way I would take it is, you know, I there are reasons I don't want to get vaccinated. That may change if I go to a contending team. I mean, if I'm a teammate, I'm kind of scratching my head a bit and saying, so wait a minute, you're not, you, we're not important enough for you to do this, but if you were to go to the Yankees or Toronto, you might consider doing that. Is that, uh, that would seem to be an uncomfortable situation to find yourself in. How, how did Witt handle that? And, and um, you know, and, and in fact, did his teammates accept it? They eventually did. I think he was fortunate to be given a chance to maybe clear the air a little bit. Okay. And he was sick about his comments. He was really, truly sick about what he said. He knew that he shouldn't have said what he said. He, he should have just left it at the fact that, hey, I, I made my decisions based on some personal mm-hmm. decisions, and he didn't. And then he had to uh, you know, try to you know, put things back in the bottle, which is very difficult to do. But he had a chance to discuss it with his teammates. They accepted him. Uh, once you get to know Whit Merrifield, you understand a little more about him. He's a guy that um, he's, a, he's a leader. He's a guy that's very outspoken. He'll be the guy that stands up in that clubhouse after a tough loss and we'll talk to the media, and we'll and we'll and we'll be available, and, and be that kind of guy that you really kind of want. Um, I just I, I really admire uh, the fact that he was able to address the issue with his mm-hmm. teammates, and regardless of what happens uh, moving forward, uh, to me it seems like he will almost have to uh, seriously consider vaccination. Otherwise, he won't be able to play, and that certainly puts right. a pretty big dent in your wallet when you don't get paid for not playing baseball. So exactly. uh, I think it'll be an interesting situation how it all unfolds. But I would expect that Whit will uh, will kind of man up and and be the team guy and get it done. If he doesn't play every day here, how do you think he'll handle that mentally? I think he'll be fine because he's on a winning team in a winning environment. A lot of excitement. We know the excitement uh, at Rogers Center, especially. And, and I think Witt will be doing do anything he possibly can to help his team. And he'll be available. Now, he played like 550 consecutive games. He had the longest streak in baseball, uh, you know, the, the kind of the um, consecutive games played. And he wanted to play every day. He really does want to play every day. But he loves baseball. He just wants to be out there. And if it's in a, uh, a role where he won't be out there every day, uh, I would say he understands the circumstances dictate that that's where he is in his career. And, and to be a guy that uh, can help his team win, he'll do what he, whatever he has to do. Jeff, really good of you to join us. Terrific insight. Thanks as always, man. Thanks a lot, Jeff. Okay. Thanks, guys. Good luck. Be Thank well. You. Thank you. That's Jeff Montgomery, Royals analyst. Okay. I mean, he, he's he, a great, he, great, uh, great bit of information. Uh, well, anybody, anybody that loves that that theme of the clubhouse, hearing Jeff say that he'd be the first guy to raise his hand and stand up in front of everybody and and sort of put things in its place the way it's supposed to be put. I I think. If you're if you're a fan of that, yeah, it, you'll love hearing that. I had a chance when the Royals were in town. Had a chance to talk to some people about the whole vaccination situation with Whit Merrifield and and the Royals. The Royals had a lot of players and weren't vaccinated. The Royals have a Dayton Moore is an interesting guy. Dayton Moore is um, is very. Religious, wears his religion on a sleeve. There's kind of a philosophy around that organization from top to bottom when it comes to when it comes to things. And 
when you talk to people around the team, the point that was made to me about Whit Merrifield's comments was exactly what Jeff Montgomery said. What he said to his teammates. It wasn't different than what came out, but it was perceived differently in that clubhouse. And it was perceived differently by the front office and by the coaching staff. Mm -hmm. So, as I said, that's something to keep in mind. At, at some point, at some point, maybe Whit Merrifield will explain himself. And he doesn't, I mean, he doesn't have to. No. If he gets vaxxed and shows up and plays, sure. I mean, he doesn't have to explain it to you, me, or the fan base. And you know what will happen? Kevin, you've been in clubhouses. You know what? At some point, somebody will sit next to him in the charter and say, you know, what's going on back there? Why did you do that? And, and mm. the message will get out. Through the clubhouse. Yeah, I'm not sure about that. I, I, I'm not sure that, that that's the case. I think this is what I think. I think that the the if he comes here and he's a good player, that's that's how you. I think guys, that, guys, oh, that, will, you, you're not going to have to answer your for yourself. Well, no, that, no. That's what I think. That's what I think it, about that. It will. You know what'll happen? It'll come up in a conversation at some point, Maybe. and word will get around. I mean, but it's yeah, it's not going to be a. I'm not going to say that. You get a big hit in the eighth inning, drive in. I'm not going to say that everybody's going to get together. I'm not going to say everybody's going to get together and say, "Okay, Kevin Gossman, you got to go up and ask him what it's about." But I'm saying it's going to come up. Maybe it's going to come up in a discussion. Probably, it probably will come up in a discussion. And I don't think necessarily would be a judgmental thing. It's just guys want to know, you know, what uh, what was going on. But um, yeah, everything you hear about Whit Merrifield is that he's a good good teammate. He's a human being. He stuck his foot in his mouth. And Jeff Montgomery's right. You know, he does. He ha he still has a skill set that uh, that might help this team. And quite frankly, as as we've said, we I think we can now safely assume that uh, George Springer is going to be George Springer is going to be saved for for October, for September and October Sounds as much like as it. possible. Looks like it. It looks like it. I, I think it's Jeff too. Also said that that center field is wits favorite position to play in the outfield he didn't have to play it in Kauffman Stadium because he already had a guy there it's a bigger park a lot of ground to cover if you're going to play the outfield it's better play right second base so you like to hear that too so maybe, again it's I mean what is it the first choice that if you're a Blue Jays fan that you that you'd like to see absolutely not yeah. I mean you, well, you, wanted, it, you wanted impact arms in the bullpen but this this he's not going to hurt it's like anything else when you're connected to a whole bunch of sexy names and none of those names come to your team, and you end up getting somebody else. You're chapped. You're chapped. <laughs> you just start. You You're are. a fan. No question. You're a fan. Yeah, you're talking about Ian Happ, and then then you look at Whit Merrifield, and you look at like there's a reason that the Jays went out and got these guys, and and uh, again they've got you know they've got access to more reports and more analytics than we do. So, um, yeah, that's that's where we are, and we're also a little more than an hour away from first pitch of the second game of that two-game series against the Tampa Bay Rays. We will have the game on Sportsnet 590, the fan, and Sportsnet Ben Wagner will, haul, will have the call of the game. He'll join us at the bottom of the hour. We've got Barker's back leg bits, and when we come back, <clears throat> pardon me, Bob Nightingale, the national baseball writer for USA Today, joins us. It's Blair and Barker. Right up to the first pitch on Sportsnet 590, the fan, Sportsnet 360, Sportsnet Radio Network, and wherever you get your favorite podcast.